Kia ora Aotearoa, Rebecca Hollis here. Welcome to Rebecca Live on Today FM. I hope your week is smashing it. I hope when you woke up this morning you said, shit, yeah, let's go. Let's do some great things. And I hope that you continue to do so after listening to today's podcast on Rebecca Live. What is Rebecca Live? Well, we talk about a couple of key things. The key things usually are, you know, how to make New Zealand better. What great ideas can we can we get out of other people to share with others? This whole learn, share, repeat thing. But usually at the intersection of community and commerce, creativity, culture, and sometimes sometimes a little bit of content too. So lots of lots of C's in there. But uh, what we've got on today's show, I'm actually quite hyped for. One of the things I get very passionate and stoked about is seeing other Kiwi companies win, going local to global, staying in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but also really opening the door wider for others in the space to know that these things are possible as young founders. So for today, we've got James Fuller. He is the co-founder and CEO of Henry. Now, what is Henry? Well, it's a managed service for self-employed contractors and freelancers, providing their invoicing, tax and insurance services all in one. It basically takes care of all your compliance so you can know it's getting done properly and it's all automated and done for you. So this is basically a dream for it. Now, no, this is not a sponsored plug. No, they can't tell me to pay me to say that something's awesome. They haven't tried to plug this in. I wanted to talk to James. I'm going to talk to James and it's awesome seeing great Kiwi companies grow and balance and navigate these kind of crazy worlds of startup world. You know, most startups fail. Most startups don't don't grow and don't build. And the growth that they've had is pretty impressive. They're about to go through their Series B round now. And it's pretty um, awesome just seeing New Zealand companies win with, so you know, that saying of, I believe, New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And it's awesome seeing James and um, the team and Claire uh, and all the rest of it win as well. Don't forget you can download the uh, Rover app if you're on, on your smartphone if you're out and about or if you're just on your Spotify whatever it may be uh, just type in hashtag Rebecca Live and you can get the show there alright so without further ado let's get into it Rebecca Live on Today FM with James Fuller the co-founder and CEO of Henry let's go rock and roll Morena James how are you my friend I'm very good thanks mate how are you well we were talking about it before. You're saying you're you're in Wellington and it's not windy, and I don't believe you're in Wellington. So 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 where's the lies coming from, mate? What's going on? It's honestly, it's a beautiful day here. It's uh, you know, like I was saying to you, this is just the weather as standard in Wellington. It's it's gorgeous sunshine. There's no wind. I don't know when you've been here. Probably you know, just a, just a strange off day. I get it. Well, maybe I'm I'm I'll, I'll start. I've been thinking about. Um, this chat and I've been very excited about it I always like when there's you know young entrepreneurs on, on on the come up growing smashing it building it going local to global and, and so much more I'll start here if you were to ask your 10 year old self hey James 2022 23 you're going to be running this thing this behemoth tech awesome finance machine to help and enable and empower a whole bunch of different people would you have believed you would have got down this line of work or did you want to be an all black? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think I would have believed it for a, I don't think I would have believed it for a second. Like I always say, I, I always wanted to be a, like a professional footballer, like soccer player, but there's, yep. you know, there's certain things that stand in your way. I think my biggest one was my complete lack of talent. And I would say that's Classic. pretty hard to, to get to the top in that. So, you know, now I have to, Think about tax for sole traders you know i can get to the top of the game in in that space but yeah professional football was never going to go well with that you're in a you're in an ecosystem environment that the, the long tail of revenue is probably a lot longer than just being a professional football player for Wrexham or whatever it is have you actually <laughs> actually speaking of which have you watched that that documentary on apple tv it's called uh, welcome to Wrexham the the and it follows the the football club that uh ryan reynolds bought over in wales have you seen this yeah I've- I've not seen the documentary, but I've I've seen some uh, I've seen some news stories about what's happening over there. I mean, it's it's hilarious. I love it. It's so good for. I mean, it's great for the sport, right? Just in general. Oh, I I, I love it. So, but no, it's always a interesting intersection of you can be a sports player, you know, a sports team, you get into the business game, and so much more. So, when you if you take a timestamp of where you're at in your life right now, looking at what you've built and where you're going, how would you describe? your current chaos in, in one tweet. What would that what would that be for James Fuller 2223? Uh I'm like I'm putting on 
fewer hats than I'm taking off. <laughs> if that if that is not too cryptic, it's like okay. as you, no, no, you no. Grow, like one thing that you know when Claire and I founded the business, like right from day dot, you you do every single job, right? You're the marketing person, you're the finance person, you're everything else, and then as you grow and you bring like an awesome team around you and you start to build you know, a, a machine that does this and you hire loads of people who are much smarter than you, who are much better than you at doing this stuff, you start to take off some of those hats, right? And there was a period in the middle of like 2020, I would say, when I was I was trying to take off hats and I just kept getting more and more hats put on me of like, you, you take off this one hat, okay, now you do this stuff, now you do this other stuff. Whereas I think we're both at a point now where, like I say, we're, we're putting on fewer hats than we're taking off. We're getting a point where actually we, we can think more strategically. We can take more stuff off our plate because we've got an awesome team around us, which frees us up to go, okay, I only really want to wear two hats from now on. And there's a strategic hat and there's maybe kind of a, you know, investment longer term hat, but I don't need to wear the marketing hat, the finance hat. You know, Claire doesn't need to do the people and culture hat day in, day out. And it allows you to kind of, to get a bit more freedom to look forward and, and think more strategically. So there's something to that, right? It's it's almost like hats by choice or hats by design where on that startup, on the grind up, you are having to wear every single hat of, you know, the um, a friend of mine uh, is a Hollywood guy years ago, he's a CEO of one of the uh, big film studios and he called them slashies. He's like, everyone's like, yep, you're a, a director slash editor slash producer slash photographer slash videographer slash, it was just slashes, yeah. right? And you have to, and I think that journey of entrepreneurship through so much of that, that width is you are the slashy having to wear every single hat the entire time, the whole way through. And when, but now when you're getting hats by choice or hats by design, how much more creatively freer and how much better do you feel your decisions are being made in the business when you've been able to do it because you have an option to, not because you're being forced to. I, I think it, it's huge, right? And it's it's really it's really interesting when you start to think about your your own thought processes of how you uh, how you identify whether it's a challenge that you need to solve. It's almost like stepping out of the detail a little bit gives you that freedom to actually think uh, a bit broader and also to go back. It's funny. It's kind of there's, there's when you start the business and you know when we started in 2017 and you're doing something that hasn't been done before that, that no one else is doing there's no blueprint there's no roadmap and you have to break new ground and break barriers yourself and you're almost pushing yourself to you know move fast break stuff you know that's your role like that's that's what you what you need to do to build the business and then as you're scaling the business and you're getting that product market fit you, you kind of you, you there's less of the sort of I know, big pivots, but there's less of the big barriers you need to break through. And then coming through the other side of that, when you've got like a scaling growth business like where we are now and you take a step back and you go, I can actually go back to moving fast and breaking things and I can go, actually, what's the next big hurdle? You know, we've built this thing and it's running in fantastic growth mode at the moment. But what the business needs from us as founders is to then go, how do we you know, it enable the people around us to make those decisions like we would have made five years ago, rather than getting tied up in like, oh, we're, you know, 70 to 100 people, we're getting all caught up in process and procedure. How do we be the driving force behind, hey, look, we're giving everyone license to move fast and break stuff still, you know? So there's something to that, right? And it, there's this, um, is it a mental tension between build versus break? And how does that change over time as the scales up, right? So how, do, how have you, have you thought about approaching that mentally now where you know you're obviously breaking things as this building and now it's sort of built and then you want to sort of break things again is it like a, a, a do you think of them as like mental levels for each part of the business as it grows or how do you kind of think of it yourself so you have that freedom to do it so you can almost like empower yourself to be the renegade again if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean it's, it's exactly that right like i think you know part of it is not just kind of myself and, and claire and, and our exec team part of it is actually um showing the rest of the organization what can be done when you work in a like incremental granular way like because there are people who join the business this year right we've gone from 30 people to the start of this at the start of this calendar year and we're now well over double that and so you've got people who joined where they're joining at a time where the business is growing and it's scaling but they're not joining at a time of like uncertainty you know they're not joining at a time when they're like this thing is a is a you know this is a hail mary shot that i'm joining Blah, blah, blah. They're going, okay, this is an established business with offices in two countries that's growing really quickly, you know, and those people will come from organizations where they've been kind of institutionalized to play it safe, just naturally, you know, they're coming from larger organizations and they come in and they have like a safe mindset. And it's almost 
you know, the role that Claire and I can play now is to give people the license to be slightly less safe and to say, okay, you know, how do we experiment with something? How do we move this in an incremental way? How do we do a little bit of that? And, you know, how do we kind of, again, it's that thing of being able to have those conversations because everyone who comes in wants to protect what we've got. They want to protect the business and they're never going to proactively go, hey, I'm going to experiment with this thing that could be something fundamentally quite different. And so my role and Claire's role is about saying to people, it's okay to play. Like, here's the box that, that we want you to play in. And we're encouraging you to go and think a little differently around how stuff might work. Well, that, that empowerment for them as well probably gives them the freedom to like, oh, it is a, it's, a, it's a safe playpen, but we can actually go and push because we want to innovate and we, we want to go. So, so as a part of the challenge from a people and culture side, you know, unshackling some of those mental barriers, which some of the employees as it grows feel it is it's like you know that it, it how how do you balance the tension between that with staff coming in to go yes go play do but at the same time like yeah we're having fun yeah we're growing but you know is it a that obviously comes down to a cultural thing right like how are you instilling that culture within organization as it scales out because it's going to be a lot different than it was i'm sure from employee number 10 to employee number 100 and a thousand or whatever it sort of gets to how are you have you thought about weaving in strategy to keep that um that, that freedom of, of fun of this playground for employees on, as they come on the journey with you? Yeah, it's, it, you're right that it's a total balance. You know, I mean, I think we have, as you grow, there's always going to be things that you need to, you know, and I'm not saying these are boring things, but, you know, you've got to shore up your infrastructure. You've got to do things to kind of make sure you're, you're kind of keeping things scalable. But I think it's about, uh, it's about the prioritization of, of whether it's fun or innovation. And it's saying to people, hey, look, we're happy if you go and experiment in an isolated way, whether that's testing something with a few customers, whether that's literally going out and doing some discovery interviews with customers, working iteratively to kind of build a culture effectively where people can go and say, do you know what, I've got an idea of something that might work. I'm just going to I'm just going to call 10 customers and I'm just going to do some like rapid discovery interviews. And we, we do this. We do this all the time. Right. We kind of we once our customers have been with us for. Uh, for a little while, we actually automatically prompt them in the app and say, hey, are you and do you want to be part of some beta trials? If some come up, like, do you want to be part of something cool? If we've got something we want to test, it could be a wireframe we want you to look at, could be a discovery interview, could be trying something in the real world. Do you, do you want in? And people can opt into that. And so what that means is we have this rolling uh, group of customers who have had the expectation set that like, hey, you can get involved in some stuff. So what we might do is, you know, if we come up with an idea of something that might work for, I don't know, personal trainers. And we say, cool, let's go find all the personal trainers in our beta group that meet the criteria that, that we want to experiment with. And let's just reach out to them and say, hey, we're doing something. Are you in? And we've got like three or four of those all running at the moment. And they might run for a week where we just put some wireframes in front. And we say, how do you get on with this? What do you like about it? What don't you like? Or it could be a much longer term thing where we go, hey, we're rolling out a new part of our product. Do you want to actually test this in the real world and be on the journey way before anyone else? And so if you create that expectation with customers, then you have that culture inside the organization of, hey, we've got to go talk to these people. They've said they want to hear from us. They said they want to play and experiment. So let's not disappoint them. Let's actually go out and, and, and run those experiments with them. So there's something to that, right? Because you're almost curating the community as customers that helps iterate the product and they're so that you said that we're in on the journey with you james right so they're on the journey with they are on the journey with you and they know that you start up and grow and it's like they feel engaged and more so they're becoming part of the story so it's not just the internal workflows it's also the people that you're, you're working with and i'm imagining the feedback loop from being so engaged proactively with customers that are the clients that are helping you curate a better product experience they're probably hyped and stoked because it's like you're genuinely listening to what we are want. You're genuinely trying to make our lives better. This is awesome. This is great. What's the feedback loop been been like actually working directly with the community that is also the customers? Oh, it's so good. And it's so satisfying as well. I mean, I think one of our one of my favorite stories a few years ago in the New Zealand market, we had uh, we had our basic product out there and then and then one of our customers uh, came to us and said, hey, it would be really awesome if I could have my invoices that I send out at the Henry app, if someone could pay those online, you know, and they said, it's currently I'm having to pay for a separate service for online payments. And they kind of put it out and you know how people do, it's kind of a speculative thing. And we hadn't really seriously considered it until this point. And when, um, and, and when this customer suggested it we we loved the idea and we te tested it with a few other people and said would you also want this and this is like 2018 i think and we, we got the sense that customers would want this thing so we went all the way through we, we you know built validated this thing and then when we launched it we shouted out that customer who originally suggested it and we were like this is this is for you bro like you you want 
wanted this thing here. That's the thing I, I love so much being able to do is kind of actually, because a lot of these, a lot of these freelancers, right? They're building their business. They, they want the exposure and they want to be able to be recognized for that. So I, I love the, you know, and, and, and I talk about, so, so Cam Waru from, from We The Collective, I'm going to give him a shout out here because he's one of our biggest referrers. Like he refers so many people. Um, go, go check him out. Awesome photographer, videographer. Um, Cha-ching free plug for Cam Waru there. He's just an awesome dude himself. Um, but yeah, I, I love being able to kind of just shout that out. And then that it becomes a reciprocal relationship. Like you actually engage with customers and say, hey, you tell us what to build because we're building this for you. We're not building this for ourselves. Like you're the ones who are going to use this. Like I'm not using the product. Like I would love to. I would have loved to when I was a contractor to be able to use this. But now I'm building it for you. So you tell us what you want us to build. And where we can, we'll start to test validate we'll get you involved and if it really flies off we love being able to shout people out and say thank you so much for suggesting that we hadn't thought of it and you know we're working on stuff at the moment that i did a podcast with uh with uh jahan casanada if you know jahan yep. and i went on his uh imagine this podcast and before we went live he's one of our customers before we went live he's like hey i've got a couple of product suggestions would you mind if i gave them to you and we're like yeah absolutely man and so he gave us these product suggestions and now we're working on them and i, I you know spoiler alert i'm going to give Johanna a shout out on social media when we actually release them because it's stuff that we, we don't know this stuff until our customers come talk to us about it i mean that 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 mindset really drives into you know some of that some of that thinking behind the the hardened ethos of you know zappos with its customer service yeah, how it yeah. just became like legendary for the amount of these crazy stories of people just genuinely caring um for it too so i love those stories they're like like yeah. those, are, those are my favorite ones. Like the, the Zappos guys going out and like, you know, delivering shoes by hand or like when they were out of stock and they went to a different store and bought the shoes and then delivered them to people for like wedding shoes and stuff. They, 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 like you say, stuff of legends. And you're just like that to me, that, I mean, let, let's reflect on this. We're here talking about that business today. And this was maybe like seven, eight years ago, those stories were going around. Like the intensity of that, the love for that brand is so strong. But the, the, the bit that is very cool with it is the the genuine passion that these uh customers with these sort of love stories have they tell a hundred people they don't tell five when they when it's a care like that every single person that they ever engage with and usually a lot of the time if you think of you know 97 percent of uh kiwi businesses or small businesses with staff under 20 a whole bunch of those are literally you know one man two man band sole traders yeah, entrepreneurs 70%, yeah yep seven percent so th th that is a lot of their businesses within those worlds too. So these these little these these clusters of these communities are locked in with a similar type of exact customer type that you're actually talking to as well. So weirdly enough, it, it cycles itself probably tenfold because they're actually living and breathing to the exact demographic where you where you want to be. So the the organic pop with it must be just crazy as the stories get better and better, right? It must be feel it must feel pretty cool knowing that you're on a really similar journey that has such instant impact for so many people oh yeah it, it, it's huge we we you know everyone who works for us has uh some most of them have some connection to self-employment they have friends family they've been self-employed you know and as you say like 70 percent of what people call small business is the sole trader market and that's similar for australia and new zealand and we have you know we have engineers here whose whose parents use our service you know we've got people in marketing you know our, you know, our growth marketer her dad uses the service and it's like the people who come and work here they're building it because of the fact that they know the pain that people are going through in in the sole trader market that's been so underserved just generally and so it, it you know we get such a kick out of it and we really do sweat every, every customer interaction and it's so important to us and you know claire said it best a few years ago she said i want customer number well she said at the time customer number ten thousand to have the same experience as customer number 10 but we've, we've flown past ten thousand now so you know you can add another zero onto that but the whole point is you know we built this company for you know providing exceptional customer service and so anytime a customer does not have a good experience we really wear it like genuinely Claire and I will wear like one bad experience and emotionally because of what we what we do and the, the journey we're on it means so much to us every good experience every nice thing that a customer says so we're sort of you're in that uh that catch-22 and you, you love the customer so much that when the customer turns around and said I've had a bad experience you're like like genuinely taking it to heart like what can we do to change this you know and it's it's a real thing for us that you know and maybe you know some people have said we're we're too close to the customer and that we take it so personally but really it will for, for claire and i it will put a bad note on an evening if we if we know the 
customers had a bad experience because that's not what we're about. It's, it's, you know, we're not a faceless SaaS business. We're, we're a people company and we solve problems for people. And if we can't solve people's problems, you know, that's really, you know, it, it hurts, it genuinely hurts. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued on that, right? Because when you've got a leadership that genuinely, genuinely, genuinely gives a shit, that is so close to the customer. Yes, they can get overly emotional or over attached to it, but silently it must subconsciously set the tone through an entire organization where they know that, hey, these things matter. And even though you, you may not need to say it, they know it and feel it. And so they know where the rules are, right? Like sometimes you can see an organization where a different CEO comes in, it comes from the top of their, their expectations with the way they roll, the way they treat people, the way they talk to people, everything. Having that level of care a small amount of people may give you um, shit for thinking that you care so much, but I can almost guarantee that the majority of people know that that care will translate through an organization that you can't really define on a piece of paper with your, you know, your, your business's values or missions or whatever, whatever yeah. too. So yeah. I, I would say that it's, living it. it's, you know, it's, it's such an important thing to us. And like, I, you know, you talk and you see, you know, uh, there's some CEOs, some founders who are like, oh, some days I will, you know, jump onto the, the live chat and I'll talk to customers and stuff. Whereas for me, like I'm still, I get tagged into stuff on Facebook by, by our customers who are like, they're in a, on a message board or something and they, they tag me in they, and they say, oh, James, maybe you can answer this question. And I'll literally be doing support on Facebook at like 10, 30 at night because our social media person, you know, let's say she, she needs to go home at five o'clock, right? She's not staying, I'm not having anyone stay. Like, but I will sit there and I'll reply to people's product questions on Facebook forums at like 10.30 p.m. Because I'm like, well, it would be awful if they didn't get a response until tomorrow morning. Like, that would be a bad experience. So I'll jump on and I'll literally do customer support in my after hours, which I really shouldn't do because it's not good for my mental well-being. But if I was a customer, and I don't say, oh, I'm the CEO of Henry. Everyone thinks I'm just some random customer support bod. But, like, I just get tagged into these things. I'm like, I, I'm quite comfortable spending five minutes helping a customer it means that they can go about their business and, and be comfortable and confident in what they're doing. So the, the great, now now I'll flip it the other way, James. The great news is that you care, but the bad news is clearly not scalable if you get 100,000 customers all tagging <laughs> you in on LinkedIn. Because <laughs> then they'll tell everyone, like, oh yeah, dude, but James, we'll just tag in James, it'll be sweet. Just tag in, honestly, like, I, I'm now regretting saying that because I'm just going to get tagged in everything. But no, I mean, it, it means a lot to us, right? It, it means a lot that we, we are approachable as people and actually when you've got so many thousands of customers like we had a Claire and I did a photo thing for for Wellington NZ a little while ago and one of the the camera operators came up and was just like hey I just want you to know I signed up for Henry last week and it's freaking awesome I just love it it's, it's making my life so much easier but like how can you not love that how can you not love that engagement with customers where you get that that you know instant hit of uh, of dopamine from someone saying hey that thing that you've built is awesome and it makes my life easier so it's we are right i'm not going to be able to you know scale a personal one-on-one -on -one support model but uh that's a that's kind of a tomorrow problem well i think there you've you've now you can that's one more hat you potentially in the future don't you can choose not to necessarily not to necessarily yeah, wear, i can choose when to wear. maybe just name someone else called Exactly, exactly. But it's good that they know that you can jump straight in. So you've mentioned, and I want to get into James, you've mentioned uh, your co-founder in Claire multiple times now. So for those that aren't aware, uh, Claire is dot, dot, dot. We're married. There you go. So <laughs> I, want to, I want to get sh sh straight to the, the niggly part of it. Niggly and awesome. Do Because you both live and breathe it, have you found a relationship structure to to switch off work chat from home chat to get groceries or is it are you is it in the dna you, ro you wake up in the morning roll over oh babe i think we shift the pixels by 2.3 to the left and we and we, we change the color hue by like 12 percent. like what do you think talk to me through the dynamics of running a fast growing business at a macro with the lover of your life miss wifey claire yeah i think I mean, first of all, we, we're both very, uh, I think we're both very appreciative of the fact that we would never be where we are if it wasn't for actually the fact that we are married. Like when, you, when you're running a, a kind of growing business, in, like in the early days, four or five years ago, the times, the frequency at which, you know, the roadblocks come up, your resilience is tested, 
and you you think about throwing in the towel you know when you've got when you've got people telling you that this is never going to work or what you're doing isn't uh isn't going to fly having someone else who's also equally as committed literally living with you supporting you like i always liken it to when claire and i worked at different companies i would come home and i would you know you talk about your day and you talk about the people and the dynamics and the politics and Claire wouldn't know these people. She wouldn't know what the business is and vice versa. Like I had no idea about the people around her at work. Whereas when you're actually talking about your day with someone who can give contextually relevant feedback. And the thing we have to stop is actually trying to solve each other's problems. Because you know, like, you know, when you have that conversation with your significant other and your tendency is always to try and solve their problems, it's very difficult when you could actually do that. When you literally finish a conversation with, okay, I'll sort that tomorrow for you. And it's like, no, 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 I was just having a whinge about something, but it's, it's actually, I think it's been, and you look at a lot of successful businesses that, that do have uh, kind of life partners running them uh, as the founders. And for us, you know, I'd love to say that we, we cut off the work chat at five o'clock, you know, we go home and suddenly everything stops there and that's it. But like, that's, that's not life. Like it's, you know, we, we find ways to manage it and we, we've actually got a lot better over the last sort of two, three years of doing it. Because obviously when you get other people on the board and other people in your leadership team, you can't make decisions at home over the over the dinner table because then you're you're isolating everyone else from that decision but it's actually i think the relationship works really well in that sense that we're very we understand how each other work we're very supportive of each other and people said to us like back in the day like oh i could i could never run a business with my partner like we would just kind of you know that would be the end of us or whatever whereas i actually think about the opposite and go i could never run a business if it wasn't with my partner because it's like having your partner just like along for the ride, no context, you know, feeling like a passenger on this rocket ship. Like the most amazing thing is the fact that we're doing this together and with our complementary skills, like we never would have got to where we are today if it hadn't been for both of us from the beginning. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, that feeling of solidarity of having someone who truly understands the whole picture is, you know, it's amazing. It's a massive kind of asset to who we are. To, to that, it also probably speaks a lot to the dynamics of, you as people with each other right because obviously many many times people as as partners go into relationships have their own relationships that go into relationships and business together and it splits off pretty quick because all of a sudden it's just it's too close to home and everything gets a bit niggly what are the dynamics of your personalities that have made it be one plus one equals three if not four five six how does that balance yeah, in the yin yang actually goes from an operational well, and yeah, I, I think I think you know Claire will always say that there's there's my my kind of thinking stretches more towards the strategic and hers is more in the, the sort of operational. So you know I think with uh, you know most of the phrases is like James is going to come up with some crazy ideas and Claire makes it happen. And it's you know I think in the way that that works, it's that's it's but it, you know I always said to someone a while ago, I was like, can you imagine? two people like just like me two identical james is running this business it would be terrible nothing would get done it would just be useless and then the same thing great whiteboards like, oh, you'd have some great whiteboards it'd be some lots of stuff some on the great whiteboards. Whiteboards. It'd be some great vision sessions but obviously the same thing two clairs running the business would be would be the same thing it's that perfect balance of the kind of complementary styles and that's not to say that we don't disagree on stuff you know less so now than we used to back in the day when it was all about you know pushing pixels around the screen and what color should the button be but the beauty of it is you can you can disagree on stuff but you have to commit you have to commit to a way forward and um you know that for us has been has been really you know it's been a learning journey but i think where we're at now is that we're so much more comfortable in our roles um, you know, and where we play in the business. And actually it does work really well and it does work sort of sort of in a beneficial way to the business as a whole. So do you, do you feel that the split is essentially you as the visionary and the thinker and then her on the ops and execution and that's the, that's the, the, the magic mix between it? It's, it's a little bit, I mean, I, I mean, Claire's incredibly visionary in terms of the sort of the opportunity to, to sort of, um, to do things differently and to, you know, she possesses the most amazing, uh, ability to see through uh, kind of inefficiency, and I think you know when we look at um, when we look at kind of what works well, it's actually you know we're we're from kind of almost complementary backgrounds. Like Claire's background is finance, legal, process, policy, um, and my background is like technology, sales, marketing. So almost the sort of you know the the split is almost nicely even between the two of us. And we can go, okay, this is the bit that I'm really going to be passionate about, and I'll I'll look at you know look after uh, our head of product, head of engineering, those sorts of things. And Claire is on people and culture, uh, customer operations, those sorts of things. And so 
you know, I think just naturally we, we have our, our roles and I think we, we play very well to those strengths. And also we know for each other where we're starting to, to you know, push into someone else's wheelhouse. And we're going, hey, look, this isn't really my side of the business because I let you make those decisions and you let me, me make these decisions. And so that's, you know, I could see where you, you have some tensions if you disagreed and we're both trying to be responsible for the same thing in the business. Do you have a, um, do you have a, agreed way that you fight <laughs> like things pop no. up and the, you you don't <laughs> we tried we tried at one point <laughs> and failed miserably to have like a phrase that we could say to each other that was like basically Pineapple. this conversation needs to stop it was i think it was like banana or something it was like i'm gonna call banana on this and it, it was it was like a red rag to a bull you know like you're in the middle of a heated conversation about work and then someone out of nowhere at like 9 30 on a tuesday is like banana and you're like don't you fucking banana me out of this we're having this conversation now because i want to talk about it so i, I like we, we tried all of the stuff right and it's you know we we've been through that and i think you know it genuinely anyone who's been on this journey it doesn't matter how big your your business is or whatever as a founder your resilience is tested daily like multiple times a day and that's been you know the big learning like you i don't know it's funny you talk about like go and talk to 10 year old me and say do you want to do you want to go and run this business and you know you probably have to caveat it with you know you're going to spend most of the first few years rolled up in a ball on the floor crying so like you know just so you know it's not all like great outcome it's like your resilience gets tested continually so there's, there's something to that just with the relationship side you know through COVID, i, I thought it was a really um, funky dynamic where so many great leaders and bad leaders got, got exposed because everything was transparent and, and accountable. But to the same effect, literally growing and starting and building a business with your with your significant other, it's the exact same thing. That relationship is going to get, get exposed to the core, like every nook and cranny, every emotion, every every flipping banana, every every whatever which comes through. But it also, I'm guessing the strength of your personal relationship now is probably 10 times stronger than it ever would have been if you didn't go into business together. So your bond's actually, I'm imagining stronger than a couple if you potentially weren't in business together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all shared experience, right? And I think it's, you know, having that shared experience together is, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing, you know, being able to go through something today where you can reflect on Hey, remember five years ago when we first started the business where this thing happened and we, you know, we made that decision, you know, between the two of us, the context there is, is great. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned COVID because it was, I remember the first day, the first day of lockdown when, you know, everyone got sent home, you know, we were, literally went back to the dining room table where we first started the business and Claire, Claire likes to have like her setup. She likes her monitor and the keyboard and all this kind of stuff. Whereas I'll just work off a small device because I kind of, I, I, clutter is, is not my friend. And uh, I remember sitting there and I was just just typing away. I think I was doing an email, both sitting opposite each other. And this was literally like five minutes into lockdown. And she she leant around her monitor opposite me and she was like, do you always type that loudly? And it was at that <laughs> point I was like, I think I'm going to go and like set up a home office downstairs in the bedroom and I'll work from there. She's like, yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Just the, I always find just dynamics, especially within um, like partnerships. So my, my wife's a, a children's emergency nurse, so she's very smart and very you know analytical about stuff. And she'll talk to me about like her world, and I've just got no idea what she's talking about. But I just yep. listen. And she's just talking about all the stuff, and then she'll ask me, "Oh, how's your thing?" And I'm trying to explain, "Oh yeah," what the and then she's just like, "You can tell like," it's, but it's yep. it's almost perfect because we don't get it, but we appreciate and know that it's not actually about listening to learn it's listening to let them talk you know yeah. and it's and that, that that's the hardest thing for us right is like listening to you know and i think this sort of uh you know i think one of our one of our staff i was talking to one of our senior staff the other day and, and him and his new uh his, his new partner were having a uh they're having a conversation about work and he asked his partner he said oh is this a is this a problem solving conversation or is this just a me listening conversation and his partner said, oh, this is a you listening conversation. Like, I don't need you to solve this problem. I just need you to hear about it. And that's where I think Claire and I, you know, the tendency, because you both lead the business, the tendency is like, you're literally like on leash going like, oh, I could solve this problem. Or like, let me give you my two cents about how you should solve this problem. And it's, you know, that's, it's always that thing that like you have to hold back and go, and, I, and we're both terrible at it. So I, I'm not going to pretend that we're, we're great at doing this, but like trying to train yourself to go, actually, I'm just going to let the other person just talk this out without trying to solve the problem for them. Well, there's something to it around like my, my grandparents who I'm named after that 
called Ron and Betty where Rebecca came from, we would um, like, they would, you know, I'd go catch up with them on the farm and I'd sit there and I'd, I'd talk to them and they'd ask me, you know, my questions or whatever and I'd talk about problems and whatever. And now when I think back, I know that they knew the answers, but they would never tell me the answers. They would just listen, you know, and it was like, yeah. you know, they've, they've, that experience sort of says a lot. So to, to that thing on experience, quick little uh, segue for those who are just tuning in to uh, Rebecca Live on Today FM, we're talking with James Fuller, the CEO, co-founder of Henry. Um, and now, he, actually, quickly, why is there no E in that? Oh, we, we can't spell. Ah, okay. Well, that, that makes sense. So <laughs> no, we, on, we, we, love, we love the name. We crowdsourced it back in 2017. We were looking for a, the name of someone who was, you know, uh, fun, interesting, efficient, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually, we crowdsourced it uh, in the startup community. Someone, someone, we said, you know, what's the name of a person that is these things? And someone came back and said, my friend Henry is just like that, super efficient guy, really knows his stuff. And someone else said, I've got a friend Henry who's similar, horn rim glasses, really cool guy, great to hang out with, but wicked efficient at what they do. And uh, we, we loved the name. And then, you know, we went to buy domain names and uh, domain names are expensive. So you have to get creative with vowels. That's, that's such a great, I'm not even going to dig into it. That's actually a, a perfect answer. So one thing I think about when I think about journey is, um, of is time and one word that i come up with is this thing called smartnerships where it's like smart partnerships would have got me where i am now sooner faster better simpler if you were to reset the deck you know six seven years ago starting starting up the business and to get to this point quicker what would you have done earlier to get you here faster oh that's a great question um i think it was less about what would we, it, I think probably between the two of us, we would say we should have backed ourselves more. I think we're, you know, we, we bootstrapped for a year, evenings and weekends, kind of building, building this thing. And I think if we'd have, if we'd have had the confidence that we had in, like even 2019, 2020, like it, it took ages for us to get the confidence around what we were doing. You know, when you first start out and so many people say, no and so many doors get shut in your face and you have so many kind of hurdles to get across it's hard to actually take stock and go actually we've got something here and there are little moments these little glimmers of like yes we do have something here and it's about i think if we'd have recognized and acknowledged those more at the time like we knew that they were like big moments i remember you know one of the one of the pivotal moments in the early stages is we claire and i were um when we started the business, we were looking after kind of sole traders and we just wanted a uh, an accountant to help with our business tax. You know, we could do all the sole trader stuff. We're like, OK, we've got we need to get an accountant. And I remember Friday afternoon going down to a, a, a local accountant um, and sort of sat with one of their partners. And uh, and I said, hey, look, this is this is our business and this is what we do. We're looking for someone to do our books. And uh, and the first thing they said was, you can't do that. We said, well, yeah, we can. We've got, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They said, no, that, that's, that's our business. We take care of sole traders tax. Like you, you guys can't come and do that. And anyway, an argument ensued. And uh, the next thing I know, I was, I was, you know, effectively the partner left the room and said, I'm, I'm having enough, had enough of this, I'm out. And I basically got sort of escorted off the property and I found myself in the, in the CBD in Wellington. It's about 4.30 on a Friday. And I called Claire and I was like, this is amazing. I was like, I've just thrown <laughs> out an accountant's office they they fear us already we've got literally nothing in 2017 we've got no customers and all i did was say what we were about to do and they basically wouldn't speak to me and i was like this is fantastic this is like this is what disruption feels like and i know we always like credit that moment as being like a big pivotal thing but i think at the time you know the 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 massive high of kind of that what happened on that day was probably overwhelmed by something crap that happens the next day when you take that stuff more seriously than you take the, the good notes. And so I think, what would we do differently? I think just back yourself and go, actually, you know, we should have backed ourselves earlier. We probably would have gone faster. We probably would have, you know, made decisions quicker if we, if we didn't listen to those little voices going, you can't do this, or this isn't your industry, or, you know, that's not, that's not going to work. It's not your right? place. It's not your place. That's not your you place. Stay, in, stay in your lane, whatever, right? So that yeah. validation of getting kicked out of, I just, I, I can imagine that dynamic. 4.30 on a Friday, just got kicked out. They're like, stuff you guys, and you're like, no, this is it. Like, we're hyped. And it probably gave yeah. you, like, I am imagining 
an instant mega chip on your shoulder that just became fuel for exactly what you were going to do because they oh, yeah. acted that way, which validated exactly what you, oh, I, I, I love it. I had written down here a moment for, for what that was. So, but, but something to the point at which I want to, I want to dig into is you said that, you know, you didn't back yourself enough, but most entrepreneurs don't have the support system of a really, I guess, an amazing partner that they're in business with as well. Mm -hmm. You had that and you still didn't believe. So it really was a headspace stuff for, for you, right? Like, so what, how did you navigate getting more bravery internally to start executing externally? Like that, that journey feels like it's hard enough without a partner that's in business. And then when you've got that, that's so supportive and backing it and you still have fear to do it. It shows how real this fear is, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you look at, you know, to our earlier part of the conversation, we were talking about kind of customer feedback, right? And you look at that, you, you look at how we care a lot about what people think of this service. Like we really care a lot about it. And I remember, you know, it, you get the little knocks that you take are the things that kind of just chip away at your confidence. Like you're trying to build conviction around this thing. And I remember, you know, back in 2018, we just finished bootstrapping for a year. We, we basically went unpaid full time. We were like, okay, let's, we're quitting our jobs. We're, we're going to, we're going to do this. We built a year's worth of conviction that, that there was something there. And this was like a full year after that incident of getting thrown out of an accountancy. We were like, okay, you know, we still needed to get that validation. And I remember we put a job ad up on a Facebook group for a social media person. And it was literally like, hey, you know, we really want to build a social media presence, blah, blah, blah. We didn't say anything about the business, but the first comment that came through is someone came back and went, your service is too expensive. And I'm like, I mean, we were charging more back in the day. We charged a, you know, a few percent more than we did today, but it was like, we weren't asking for unsolicited feedback on our business model. We wanted to find a social media person to come and work for us. And I think it's those little moments that you're just like, you, it, it, you start to feel that, there are certain people who are just who just enjoy take giving unsolicited feedback and taking those little digs and chipping away at founders who are trying to build, you know. And and, and again, I'm I'm going to ramble on about another story. Nah, but this was, it was go, again go, a you. moment for us. Was one morning, 2017. We uh, I woke up to find a one star Facebook review of Henry, and like. I was gutted because I was like, okay, what, we've only got 30 customers. What, what have we done here? And so I had a look and I, I looked at the, the customer's name and it's like, they don't use this service because I knew every customer by name. I knew exactly what everyone did. And I was like, this person has never used the Henry it's service. It's the accountant that kicked you out. It's the accountant that well, kicked you out of the room. <laughs> this is what I thought. So I looked them up on LinkedIn, you know, a little bit of super sleuthing and it was a different accountant, but it was down south somewhere. And someone had seen one of our ads and they didn't leave a comment. They just left a one-star review on Facebook. So anyway, I found his phone number and I called him. I got to work that morning and I called him at his desk. And I said, hi, James Fuller, co-founder and CEO of Henry. I noticed you've given us a one-star review on Facebook. I was just wondering if I could understand a bit more about why it was that you felt that we didn't provide a good service. And then I let him speak for a while and he said, oh, you know, you're probably offshoring all of your work and I've seen businesses like this before and it's going to fail and blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, we're not doing any of those things, but would you at least give us a chance to come into this market and actually try and provide a better service for these people? I talked to him for about 25 minutes. And by the end of the conversation, I said to him, after he then started saying how much he loved tech startups, I said, well, look, why don't you, why don't you back a tech startup? Would you see to it to remove your, your negative Facebook review? And he said, yes, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And I said, um, will you do it now? And I literally sat there refreshing Facebook until he deleted his one-star review but it's like those little moments that like, great, you know, you could take that as being the, oh, wow, the you know, traditional accounting industry is trying to chip away at us because they, they fear us. But I took it personally as like, if this is the level of hate that we're going to get for going out and just trying to solve people's problems, you know, it, it, that's when the resilience takes a knock and you start to doubt yourself and you go, maybe all the haters are, are right. Maybe we can't do this. Maybe this is not our lane and we should stick to something else. And so that's the hardest thing is actually getting the conviction to go, no, actually we can do this and we can back ourselves to do it and we can push through. But there's something to that, right? For starters, he wasn't even a customer and he's just a distance far away hater that's just trolling you, right? But yeah. as you were saying this, James, on my whiteboard here to the left of it, I have this big thing that says right there, it says faith in myself over fear of others. Mm. And the whole time I got to a similar spot a little bit ago and I'm sitting there going, dude, like if I 
put my head up above the parapet for an opinion or idea or thing I'm trying to give out into the world, blah, blah, blah. Like, is it worth then that drama that comes with it, whatever? And, and mm. how I've thought about it is net-net is the value positive or negative. And net-net, the impact is positive. So the way I write it off is going, cool, that hater, that negativity, that down south accountant, old mate, whatever, kicks you out and blah, blah, blah. That's the, I just write it off mentally as the cost of doing business because if I've got more faith in myself than, and than the fear of others, you already go into it knowing that you're already writing that future negativity off as part of doing business. So you don't hit it, get confronted, become reactionary to that moment and get emotional. It's like, no, no. I've thought about this, this is part of the thing, and then that's just part of the equation, and off to the side, and I just keep, keep it moving, you know? But it's it sucks how business gets to a point where you start to feel that way when, if you don't have that sort of um, internal, organic, natural drive forward when you start, because these, these seeds of doubt can become pretty pretty tricky. So before, before you go, James, I'm interested to ask you one final little thing. When you think of the journey you've been on so far and you and Claire's mission from from where you've started to to now and in the future, when you think of when you think of the dent that you could make into the industry plus the upside that you you are going to give thousands and thousands of more people in business, how do you feel you will feel in twenty years time? I think, I think we're all we're all looking for, you know, for we're all looking to to feel proud, right? I think everyone's in that situation that you want to feel like you've you've done right, you've done a good job, you've you've done right by other people, and, and like our whole business, we always talk about our business is built on fairness, you know, even down to our pricing model, which is you know it's a one percent of income model, it's it's fair, it's a you know it's the same price proportionally, regardless of how much you earn. And it's about making sure that people who are at all ends of the earning spectrum get the access to the same amount of quality service. And so it's not like gatekeeping quality service for those people who can pay more proportionally. And I, and I think that, you know, I would love to look back in 20 years and just be incredibly proud of what we've built and to know that, you know, we we did the right thing and we, we, we served our customers well and we didn't um, you know, we, we didn't screw anyone over. And I think that's, you know, you talk about the sort of, um, you know, what the, the great quote that's up on your whiteboard there. And I think for me, I, I look at that and go with hindsight, like I absolutely would look at that quote and go, absolutely, you've got to believe that. But, you know, we, I was talking to a friend the other day, an early investor in, in Henry, and we were talking about, you know, those knocks back in the early days. And I was saying, well, we had the fact that, you know, Claire and I started the business, we were in our mid thirties. And so we'd had, you know, 15 years of being in the workforce to know about resilience, to know what good looks like and where something smells a little bit rotten. And so we were able to make sensible decisions that have taken us to this point. But if we were late teens, early 20s, didn't have that life experience and those knocks came in, like, you know, and, and this is the thing, we, we've had our fair share of, you know, behavior in and around us that we felt was was um, you know not not conducive to our well-being, not looking out for founders, and I think one of the difficult things that we found is that you know we we were, we we were able to push through it, but that was the difficult thing we found is that, that you know if we were younger and we hadn't had that experience, we could have got swept away with completely different people who would have taken our business in a different direction, and that's one of the things that you know I credit about the relationship with Claire is that you've always got that openness and you can say, Hey, this, this smells a bit funny or that doesn't seem right. Or we shouldn't take that to heart or whatever it is. But those are, those are life. Uh, those are life lessons. And, and you know, you're probably going to tell me that you've had that whiteboard for like 30 years and you know, your, your entire life has been based on that one quote off the whiteboard. But it feels to me like that's very much something you get with hindsight. And at a certain point in your career, you can go, that's how I feel. That's what I genuinely believe in. But right at the start, you know, you're so raw and so early in that, in that, decision-making process and in that thinking kind of even emotionally that it would be hard to process uh, setbacks well the other one that i've got there it says don't forget what got you here that's my those are my two on my whiteboard don't forget what got you here and you know and obviously as you go on your journey you'll be um it's cool that you can you know right so you're talking about reflection and the journey and as it continues um i really appreciate your time best of luck with the the next round um of the series b and all sorts of stuff that's coming down the pipeline um well done to you and wifey you've navigated a pretty tricky thing which not many other couples can and i'm stoked to see what you, you guys do in the future i'm really stoked to see you out there and absolutely smashing it good on you mate
Thanks, man. Great to chat. Appreciate it. I love this show. I love being able to talk to awesome humans. I love being able to talk to smart people. And I like to get inspired thinking about how good it is that, you know, we live in a country where we've got these great ideas and people are out there going there and getting it. Pretty awesome speaking to James about, you know, this this idea of reflection of the journey, you know, being able to um, navigate all these different hats and be in a different spot where you have to, you know, when you're in a, when you're at that startup we were talking about in the interview, you've got to be everything. You've got to do marketing and sales and operation and people and culture and finance and forecasting and product and just production, everything. You have to do all of it. And, you know, it's, it's cool talking to someone that's starting to get to the other side of that where now they've got their hats by choice. They've got teams that they can build around them and stuff. And and with that too, it, it was pretty cool hearing about the whole dynamics of a relationship, understanding that, you know, their one plus one is three, whether there's symbiotic relationship between the two skill sets of what Claire has and what James has. Being able to know, you know, where there's a vision set at the front and the opposite execution on the other side. This whole um, it's a very risky, he's, he's, he's playing and winning a pretty risky game because the question for yourself is I can't really name too many flipping couples that are in startup business like that, that have, they've grown it successfully and not managed to want to flip and just beat each other up the entire, <laughs> the entire time. So hats off to him. And, and I think it's cool as well. It goes to the, probably the true care and love that they actually have for each other as founders and as people first and then business comes um come second uh, but it was funny you know hearing some of the things where you know mum and dad are fighting in front of the kids or whatever. <laughs> especially in the tech startup world i can imagine those have happened many times and they will hopefully happen less as you wear you know a bit you get to wear your hats by choice now and also this idea of you know how do you keep that mindset around you know when you you know, Zuckerberg and stuff had said it, you know, let's move fast and break things or whatever it may be. But when you're in that startup mentality, now you've, you know, you wanted to break things, but then you've built it up bigger. You know, how do you sort of morph and change that culture within an organization so they and, and people that are coming on the board, they feel empowered to try and do, they want to try and innovate. There's are no boundaries. The play boxes, the play boxes open. All these things all matter and all these things are awesome. So I'm stoked to, to, to have a show where I can, you know, highlight and, and give some flowers to Kiwis doing great things. And it's awesome for James and Claire and the team at Henry for what they're doing. No, this wasn't a sponsored uh, plug. No, they didn't pay me to save it. I just genuinely get stoked watching other Kiwis win. And I have compersion for um, that as well. So you can Google that compersion. It's basically when you get stoked and seeing other people get stoked. Anyway. Enjoy the rest of whatever it is you're up to. Don't forget you can download the Rover app uh, on your smartphone or also, simply, if you're just on your Spotify, whatever, just uh, type in hashtag Live, and we're over 320 or 30 episodes now. We're doing it, we're loving it, and we're rocking it. Well, I hope the rest of your day goes well, my friends. Enjoy, and we'll see you all on the next one for Rebet Live on Today FM.